Hey everybody, it's Eric Torenberg, co-founder, partner of Village Global, a network-driven venture firm. And this is Venture Stories, a podcast covering topics relating to tech and business with world-leading experts. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Venture Stories by Village Global. I'm here today with a very special guest, Ashu Garg, general partner at Foundation Capital. Ashu, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Eric. Thank you very much for having me on the podcast. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. We're excited to get deep into MarTech here. Why don't you first give a bit of background on yourself and how you got into MarTech from the first place? Absolutely. So, Eric, you know, I've I've been in venture now. This is my 11th year in venture. And over the course of this time frame, I made investments in roughly a dozen MarTech companies, and we'll talk through that in a minute. But... Prior to foundation, I spent 15 years in a variety of operating roles, starting with uh, Unilever. So I started my career in in marketing at Unilever and have been in and around marketing of technology for a large part of my operating career. My last operating job was actually running the ads business at Microsoft. And that was really my point of entry into the broader world of digital advertising. Awesome. And in 2015, you wrote a post called The Decade of the CMO. Ashu, can you unpack the main points that you made in that post and what led you to write it in the first place? You know, if you look back in the history of time, if you look back in history, at every point in time, there has been an executive that becomes the key consigliere to the CEO. And it's really a function of what's going on in the environment around you. So if you go back... In the 80s and early 90s, it was really the CFO. You know, if you, if you go around the turn of uh, the 2000s, you really saw heads of sales really take center stage. And then in, in sort of the post-recession decade, CIOs played a major role as they drove consolidation of IT infrastructure. I think the last five years, CMOs have really started to take more of a critical role in the C-suite as they have become the default go-to person for CEOs who are thinking about digital transformation. In addition, CMOs play a role that is integrating in nature in today's world. They are responsible for social media, which cuts across sales, marketing, and customer support. And that integrative nature of social media really makes CMOs the key executive that CEOs are increasingly looking to. So that's a big part of the thesis. I think secondly, if you look at the, if you look at the impact of technology and marketing, it's really transformed marketing in the last decade. More than half of all marketing spend is focused on buying digital media. In addition, marketers are increasingly using tools and technology in a way that they never have before. I mean, there's some research by Gartner that suggests by the end of this decade, marketers will have will be spending more money on technology than CIOs. Let's zoom out a little bit. And when you talk about the MarTech landscape, can you make a bit of a a market map as to, if you've invested 12 companies, what are the different subsectors within uh, MarTech? How how do you slice up that world? What are are examples of maybe, or what's a big company in in each, for example? So marketing technology comprises all of the things that marketers use and things as in technology components that marketers use to deliver or to communicate the value of their products and offerings to end customers. 
most of whom are consumers, but are often enterprises as well. Traditionally, if, when you think about Mar MarTech 1.0, MarTech 1.0 mostly considered of tools that were associated with advertising, digital advertising. Most of those tools were in fact very focused on actually enabling you to buy or sell media and, and often had media as part of the product. So what was called ad tech. And ad tech was really the ability to buy media in what people would call an ad network. And, and that was sort of V1 of MarTech. V2 of MarTech really emerged as customers got sophisticated enough that they wanted to make the transition from buying media to buying software. And the software could be to manage media. And there's, you know, there's, there's still marketing technology tools that are used to manage. It's to create media. It's to manage the, it's to manage the process of buying. It's to optimize media, to track media. And then there is a whole new genre of MarTech tools that have emerged that help you, you know, manage your relationship with customers that are outside media. Uh, it could be around on social networks. You know, every every large company or every company does or should have a Facebook page, a, a, a Twitter handle, and you need tools to manage that. And, and so that's the broadest classification. And within that, we could dive into, you know, there's hundreds of sub-segments sub within MarTech. But for the purposes of today, I'm going to sort of, you know, stay away from that morass of detail. Uh, how do you differentiate or recommend you know, people differentiate between MarTech and AdTech? And how has that evolved over time? So the fundamental difference is AdTech companies Historically, ad tech companies have focused on selling media. What they sell, they have technology behind them, but what you're buying is media or an audience. Whereas marketing tech companies are selling software. And that software may be used to buy media, but the product you're buying is software. Secondly, and to a lesser extent, in the world of MarTech, uh, the, the big theme in the last five years has really been connecting identity that exists on mobile devices, exists in email, with cookie data, which exists in the world of advertising. If you zoom out, just in MarTech in general, you touched on it a little bit, but can you talk about how the field has evolved since, let's say, 2000? Like, what has been some of the mega trends, and what were some of the earliest big successes, and how has that evolved over time? So, you know, marketing technology really came about when companies like Netflix, which is one of our portfolio companies, started to build tools to manage and optimize digital advertising in-house. Uh, in fact, we were early investors in a company called Responses. The, the idea of actually helping incubate Responses came out of our work at, at Netflix because we saw Netflix investing a ton of money in engineering efforts to build email management tools in-house. And that made a ton of sense for Netflix, but my partners and I looked at that and said, I can't imagine that every company would want to build its own tools to manage email. And voila, there was an idea to do one as a third-party vendor, and responses came out of that. That whole category of email management was one of the first categories of marketing technology tools, and you saw uh, a whole generation of companies, you know, from Constant Contact, um, more recently HubSpot and others, a whole host of companies, hundreds of companies, frankly, in the email marketing category. Over time, advertising 
took off. Digital advertising, it was initially mostly display advertising, and then in the mid-2000s, you saw search takeoff. There's a whole class of companies that emerged that were providing tools and technologies to manage digital advertising. If, if you fast forward to around the 2008 timeframe, as social media took off, you saw a wave of companies, you know, Sprinkler, Hootsuite, or some examples that started to really get behind helping you manage your social media presence. Uh, initially, because social media didn't really have a large advertising model, it was your organic press. How do you how do you get earned media and organic media uh, through social networks? Over time, as social media added, you know, large advertising uh, components to their business model, you saw some of the same tools that are managing search and display get applied in, 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 the, in the social world. Uh, so that's you know some of the waves of the, uh, of technologies. The the one of the insights that's really important. Every time there's a new consumer behavior, every time there's a new consumer trend, that consumer trend then creates an entire new wave of marketing technology. Uh, one example from my own career has been video. So when I first joined Venture in 2008 the shift from traditional linear TV to online video was just starting. I saw that trend and I said, if I fast forward 10 years, you know, roughly to now, I think mainstream consumers will all be watching content on a streaming device, whether it's, you know, over the top to a, to a television device or to a, a PC or a phone, I didn't know, but they'd be watching streaming video as against watching it on linear TV. And, and so I, I made actually a, a whole host of investments behind that trend. I invested in a company called Freewheel that was doing ad serving for publishers who were inserting video ads into their into streaming content. I then invest, so that company did very well and we sold it to um, Comcast for close to $400 million. I then invested in TubeMobile that was helping large advertisers buy video advertising. That company took off as well, went public, and eventually got sold to Adobe uh, after being public for several years. I invested in a company called Conviva that was providing the underlying infrastructure associated with streaming video at scale. And that company is doing really well and you know, has close to 100 million in revenues and is scaling nicely. Uh, and I invested in a company called Chubby TV, which was actually an ad network for gaming consoles initially and then over time evolved into being ad-supported Netflix, uh, and that company is growing like crazy as well. So again, all four of these came from that one trend, the notion of a shift from traditional TV to, to online video. And so whether you're an investor or an entrepreneur in marketing tech, you have to look for that consumer wave that you can ride. Can we unpack, in the last you know, 15 years, you mentioned that one trend. What are some other big trends? That, that have happened in the last 15 years that have spawned, you know, other market, you know, unicorns in the tech space. And then, and then I want to get at the future trends. The most recent consumer trend that has spawned a whole wave of MarTech companies is mobile. It's, it seems crazy to say that because mobile phones have been around for a long time and smartphones have been around for 12 years at this point. But it's only in the last five years that you're really starting to see increased adoption of mobile as a, as a channel by marketers. And so you see companies like Localytics in my own portfolio, uh, but also others, you know, Braze and an Urban Airship and, and many others 
all of whom were doing well sort of riding the, uh, the mobile wave. And in some ways, that wave is still early. You know, one of the things I'm constantly surprised by is, is the lag between the consumer wave and mainstream adoption by enterprises. So a large percentage of large enterprises still don't have mobile apps and, or don't have mobile apps as an important channel in their businesses. But that's changing. And I think the mobile wave is going to create some very large companies in the next handful of years. If you fast forward you know, to the next major consumer trend, uh, there's a couple of them. I think one is data privacy and data management. Consumers want to be in control of their data. They want to know how their data has been used. And the consumer demand for greater transparency around how their data has been used is starting to spawn a whole new generation of companies in the marketing technology category. If you look out into the future, and this is far out into the future, so timing is hard to predict, I think as AR and VR start to take off, that will spawn a whole new generation of companies. But as you know, Eric, AR and VR has been around the corner for, for a few years now. Yeah, and what about blockchain and crypto? It's a great one, actually, uh, and I'm glad you asked because it, it, it's one I've been looking at quite a bit, and so I, 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 I didn't mention. So from an infrastructure standpoint, one of the hardest parts about the ad tech landscape has been the complexity and fragmentation of the supply chain. And when I say the supply chain, mean all the number of players that handle either the ad or the data or the purchase order between the publisher on one end and the end consumer who views the ad. I mean, sometimes one individual ad may have uh, a dozen different parties involved in that supply chain. And the opportunity for blockchain and digital ledger technologies more broadly is to provide transparency and visibility through that supply chain. And so we're definitely starting to see companies uh, in that space. Now, it's still early days because in the ads ecosystem, the notion of scale is like it's serious. As you as a consumer, you, your performance expectations are very high. And so there's a huge gap between the performance expectations of an ad tech supply chain and what blockchain protocols can do currently today. But that, you know, when there's a, when there's a gap, that's the opportunity. Yeah, and what do you think are the first use cases or first like first company that could take off that uses blockchain in the more tech space? So without, I mean, I've been looking at a bunch of companies, so without naming any specific company, I think the, the key thing is to find a use case and that makes sense. Uh, the challenge in this fragmented supply chain is a lot of the players in the ads supply chain aren't necessarily motivated to provide transparency. There's a lot of double dealing and a lot of sort of side deals uh, that go on in the ad supply chain. And so transparency, while it's good for the consumer, it's good for the advertiser and for the publisher, isn't necessarily good for all the intermediaries in the supply chain. So I would look to startups in this area to, to ask themselves, who is the participant that has both the pain and the market power to drive change? I happen to think that's mostly large advertisers. And so if you can align with large advertisers that are willing to force the supply chain to play ball, I, I think that will create an opportunity. Totally. Going back to your post for a second, you wrote this in, in 2015. How, is you, how have you seen the industry evolve 
in the last four years? You know, the, the, the ads ecosystem is an interesting one. So there's three things I see. I think one, I continue to see an explosion of startups. I think marketing technology is actually one of the most overfunded spaces there is. I can't, I'm not sure why, but the, the number of startups in MarTech is staggering. The second thing I see, I see continued opportunity. While this number of startups is staggering, there's a lot of people taking a piecemeal and point solution approach. And, there's a, and if you talk to large marketers at large companies, they still feel like there's insufficient tooling and technology and infrastructure for them to be able to execute digital campaigns at scale. So I think the opportunity continues to be immense. And these two things are somewhat contradictory. And that's why I'm sort of you know, sharing them together. The third thing that I think has happened is, I think MarTech is a sector where there's been a constant drumbeat of outcomes. I mean, only in the last you know, 18 months or so, we've seen crux. We've seen Datarama, both acquisitions by Salesforce. More recently, you've seen uh, you know, Marketo get bought twice, first by Vista, uh, and then a second time within a span of 18 months by Adobe. You know, Magento also, you know, which, you know, some people think of Commerce Tech or MarTech, I mean, those slides can get blurred, but Magento also most recently got acquired by Adobe as well. So lots of very healthy M&A and very healthy valuations despite sort of the, the glut of new startups. On the funding venture side, though, because there's been so many startups in the last 18 to 24 months, definitely I think a lot of VCs, myself included, have set a very high bar for what they will find because another Me Too product isn't what the world needs. You mentioned VCs. Can you give a bit of a, a history in terms of how VCs have viewed MarTech historically? Is it a category that VCs have been excited about and then down on, sort of up and down relationship, or is it always a category that you think has been underestimated? I think venture capital has a schizophrenic relationship with MarTech, but more broadly. I mean, the vast majority of us in venture are, are generally followers. That's just the honest reality of how venture works. So, you know, I remember the first time I started looking at MarTech as a category from a venture standpoint was in 2008, soon after... Microsoft had acquired Aquantive, and Google had acquired DoubleClick, and I, I was just in the process of leaving, leaving Microsoft at the time, and every VC in Silicon Valley was super excited about MarTech because there were two you know, multi-billion dollar outcomes. And, and so you see that cycle. I think whenever there are big outcomes, you see a, a flurry of interest and activity, and then it sort of you know, goes through a, a downward cycle because everyone's down on the fact that there are too many startups and it's too competitive. So I think that cycle continues. I think in general, uh, 10 years ago, there was a lot of interest in funding companies that had an ad tech or a media-based business model. I think that business model has, seen a, it has declined. I would actually say it has disappeared. So you don't hear about ad tech startups anymore. Uh, what you have seen come up in the last five, seven years is really the emergence of a SaaS business model in, in MarTech. Uh, and that really is the future. So, and to some, yeah, to some reason, in, in 2019, I feel, you know, sort of, VCs are, I, I think you would say, d- down on, on MarTech. And, and can you summarize w- w- what's the misunderstanding that they have? And more importantly, what would you try to correct them on? Or, or what would the pitch be? Or why more VCs should be 
I should be eager about the category. So first of all, I don't necessarily think more VC should be eager about the category. I, I think MarTech is, MarTech is a category that will make money, has consistently made money, but it's also a category that is incredibly noisy. And, you know, it's a category where failure rates are very, very high. And so my advice to entrepreneurs that are starting MarTech companies is to really take a step back and say, why do you think your company deserves to exist 10 years from now? What is it that you're building that is better than, than alternatives, not by 5 or 10 or 20%, but by an order of magnitude? And so I think the bar to start a new MarTech company should actually be very, very high. And in fact, I very often tell MarTech entrepreneurs, you know, if you don't have a transformative idea, then you should look at other applications of machine learning and AI. Because the cool thing about MarTech is really, MarTech was really the killer app for machine learning and AI. And so a lot of the best technical minds in ML and AI and in the data engineering space started off in MarTech broadly. One thing I'd like to do is uh, sort of get your sense of where the white space is, where the opportunity is, and a few ways to, to ask this. So let's say we're running you know, funds solely focused on on MarTech and entrepreneurs were asking us, hey, where should we build companies in the space? Or if you, Ashu, yourself were thinking about building a company in this space, what are sort of the unique uh, opportunities or, or white space that you think you want more entrepreneurs tackling? What, what's your request for startups in this space? But when I think about the opportunity ahead in the marketing technology landscape, let me break it down into marketing technologies for B2B companies and marketing technologies for B2C companies. So I'll start for, first with the B2B part. I really think the overall category of MarTech for B2B companies is underdeveloped. And the, the, the broad thesis I have is marketers have the opportunity to close the deal. And what I mean by that is they have the opportunity from, to go from being enabling technologies to really starting to play a role in closing the deal on behalf of, you know, their companies. And, and I think technologies that can enable marketers to play much more of a central role in closing the deal, I think, offer a lot of potential in the B2B space. If I shift gears and think about the opportunity set for marketers, marketing technology companies that are serving B2C companies, I think there are three broad opportunity sets. I think, first, even though there have been a hundred different companies doing marketing analytics in some shape or form, I still hear every CMO complain about, I need to have a cockpit. I need to have an integrated view of what's going on in my business or in my function. And so that's opportunity number one. I think opportunity number two is I do believe the consumer data management and consumer rights management is a huge opportunity. GDPR, you know, has really taken off in, in Europe. You know, there's regulation coming in California that's even more stringent than GDPR. And more broadly, consumers are saying, look, I want to have control of my data. And so providing marketers, you know, the infrastructure required to manage data in a way that is compliant with regulation, compliant with expectation of their consumers, and at the same time enables marketers to deliver a great experience to their customers, uh, I think is an opportunity. The third big opportunity in marketing technology, I would say, is the use of blockchain 
to streamline the, the supply chain. And so I do think using blockchain or DLT to sort of streamline the ads supply chain is a huge opportunity as well. Totally. What are some opportunities you see that you think, you know what, I think it's just too crowded, it's already been done, or I don't think it's big enough, some sort of anti-request for startups, things that you don't think is the best you know, use of time, although maybe it seems compelling from the outside. I see a lot of MarTech companies. The one category that, I, that I'm not a believer in is, is really the whole category of tools to enable marketers manage influencers or influencer marketing tools. In the last four or five years, I've seen a lot of companies emerge in that category. But what I see is most companies divulge, uh, most marketing tech companies that are offering influencer marketing tools end up becoming services businesses. The ecosystem of influencers continues to be small enough and nuanced enough that a product that is purely technology and data hasn't really cracked the code there. So I'm not bullish in that category, for one. Secondly, I think, historically, media buying tools and technologies has been a big opportunity. And I think that opportunity is starting to wane, in part because you know, there's a handful of companies like my own portfolio company, Quantic Mind, that are starting to take off in that category. And it's not obvious what the next generation will do that's disrupted. So I think it's, it's a hard category to enter at this point. I think third, there's just just a ton of tools that are doing at a tactical level analytics. And I would distinguish between providing a marketing cockpit, uh, which is much more predictive, much more future-looking, much more action-oriented than just doing the next analytics widget in marketing. How do startups versus incumbents in the industry work? Like, how? Another way of asking that is, how defensible are these companies really? And is are there opportunities where, hey, you're just not, you know, is there sort of an Amazon or Facebook where, hey, you're just not going to compete or is everything up for grabs? How, how do you think about defensibility? I would say on the one hand, one of the things that is both an opportunity and challenge in MarTech is CMOs are inherently best of breed in nature. And they're inherently biased towards experimenting and trying new things. And so if you have the next new thing, in MarTech, it's a category where it is possible to get customers to try you out. Right? CMOs tend to be experimental in nature relative to you know, CISOs and VPs of sales or CFOs. CMOs are more willing to take, you know, to try out new technologies. On the flip side, CMOs are not very technical. And they're used to buying media as against used to buying software. And so MarTech tends to struggle with churn in general. And, and that comes with its own challenges. So what to that, then, what, what's really important for, for MarTech companies to figure out in order to be durable and longstanding you know, uh, giant companies? What, what do the great companies do from the ones that, that don't serve specifically to MarTech? So I think, I think companies that go on to do really well in MarTech have three characteristics. First, I think they're able to find a wave to ride and a wave being defined as a consumer trend or change in consumer behavior. Email, Facebook advertising, social media more broadly, online video, and I talked about some examples in that category. So find a wave and ride it. The second thing I, I think is 
MarTech companies tend that do well tend to have teams that are able to bring deep technical shops together with a deep understanding of marketers and how their their customer thinks. Because marketers aren't used to buying technology, and so the ability to sell technology to them requires a certain empathy for marketers, which is in some ways almost like being a consumer company. So MarTech, the most successful MarTech companies tend to be tend to be somewhat schizophrenic. The third thing about successful MarTech companies is I think you have to be in it for the long haul and really focus on capital efficiency. I mean, this is not a category where you want to go go bigger, go home overnight. It's just you will have some cycles. Economic recessions do impact the sector, and so be capital efficient and go long. What other advice do you find yourself uniquely giving MarTech companies? For example, when you find entrepreneurs who have built companies in previous sectors and then come to, to MarTech, what, what, what's something they might, may not anticipate right away or, or seem as obvious that's important? So whenever I meet MarTech companies, I give them three pieces of advice. I think one is you've got to really make sure that you're not selling a feature or even a product. You've got to, you've got to be clear that what you're doing is, is transformative enough that there is an opportunity for the company. I think second, it's really important to be clear about who the buyer is within the marketing organization. So marketing organizations tend to have very diffuse structures and no two marketing organizations look the same. And so getting clarity around your ICP, your you know, initial customer profile, your customer persona is really important. And a lot of MarTech companies struggle with that. The third thing I say, I always tell people is, marketers you know, like to buy based on ease of use as against the best technology. And so while obviously technology is important and performance is important, but over-index on ease of use. Totally. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. This has been a great episode. And uh, for people who want to learn more about, about your work uh, at Foundation Capital, uh, where can you point them to? You know, I, I tell people just call 1-800-ASHUGARIC. <laughs> uh, on a more serious note, you know, come to our website. Our email addresses are all there. We're, we're not hard to find. Foundationcapital.com. And, and there's some great, uh, I highly recommend reading the executive CMO and some, some great other stuff that Foundation Capital has put out. And, and you yourself have a, have, a, have a podcast as well, how, how to B2B a CEO. Absolutely. And, and do, do try it out. My podcast, How to B2B a CEO, really focuses on enterprise founders across industries and, and definitely market founders tell me all the time and they found it incredibly useful. Ashu, thank you so much. If you're an early stage entrepreneur, we'd love to hear from you. Please hit us up at villageglobal.vc slash network catalyst. 